Good morning, traders and investors. Welcome to the number one morning show to get you ready for the stock market open. Let's dive into today's topic. We're going to touch, of course, what should be on your radar going into 8.30 today, the economic uh, data of the day. We'll take a look at what you should be watching, uh, PCE, University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. We'll talk about when is the next rug pull. You guys let me know what you guys think in the chat. We'll touch some earnings report. Of course, we got Apple, Amazon. We'll touch into the disaster that was Roku and Intel. We'll get into U.S. Steel, Exxon Mobil, Procter & Gamble, Chevron, Phillips 66. And of course, we got our special guest, Ms. Schneider, Managing Director at Market Gauge. I'm excited to go ahead and wrap up this week. Give me a thumbs up. Let's go ahead. Let's get it started. Welcome to Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Elkanen. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've been a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, traders. I'm excited to dive into today's action. It's one of those exciting mornings. Let's bring on Joel Alconin. Let's go ahead. Let's bring up those charts, my man, Joel, and let's take a look at the futures action because today's the day I'm calling it. I feel that the bears, uh, the bulls have the bears by their hands, and today's the day. Do they get it back? We'll see what happens, but it's the pressure's on. The pressure's on the bears today. Let's bring on my man Dennis Dick, and let's take a look at Stop the bears. action. Stop. I was just, what you, the market, 26 and a quarter handles, flirting with uh, closing over 4,100. Strong close, and they just lifted offers after the Amazon numbers, and then they lifted offers after the Apple numbers, really ignoring uh, any of the bad stuff that's out there. But we'll cover both sides of the market. Pre-market high, 08.75. Nothing up there, folks. We talked about the limited resistance on the daily charts, and there you are, 100 points away from uh, that 4,200. Uh, crude, that's having a good day. That's up 219, 98.61. Uh, gold, once again, this is one of the best weeks gold has had in months, up 620, 1740. Silver flirting with 20 bucks, up 6.7 cents, 19.93. Bitcoin participating in the rally, too, over the last couple days. That's only down 50 bucks at 23.875. And Ethereum, a little bit more down on a percentage basis. Down $45 uh, at $16.88. These are the futures that I'm talking about. Uh, Triple D, I, I sure hope you did not have many offers out there uh, after the close. Because if you did, you got lifted. And then they probably bid above your offer. What a buy fest. It was. But you know what? It was selective. And I will say, obviously, Amazon, the catalyst, and we got Apple, and that added the fuel to the fire of, at least the fire for the bears. Um, but if you look and you get a better feel of what the overall market was doing last night, really, IWM was flat. Now, now overnight, we've lifted on pretty much everything. 
Um, but last night it was very selective. It was tech getting bad and other stocks were not participating. I'd expect to see a lot more rotation here again today. Um, but whenever there's money flying into a sector, it seems like it's flying out of another sector. We're back to that again. I don't think we're in this everything bull market now. It's going to start to turn like it was a stock as a stock as a stock when the markets were going down. But it's starting to get more selective. You're starting to see certain sectors show a little bit of relative weakness. I mean, Procter & Gamble is going to probably hit the consumer staples here today as it's trained down. We'll get to that as well. But again, the big story of the day is going to be the big two, Apple and Amazon last night. And that Amazon move. Not even so much the earnings, just the response to it. It's like, man, if you are short this market, holy, you are having some trouble with these earnings. Definitely. Now the question we start asking themselves is, of course, is when's the next rug pull? But let's take a look at these earnings and what we saw. First one up, it looks like Amazon. Let's get into it. Let's talk about the EPS here at 18 cents, beating the 13 cent estimate sales at 121.23 billion, beating the 119.09 billion estimate. Amazon did say the second quarter 2022 net loss included a pre-tax valuation loss of 3.9 billion, including non-operating expense for a common stock investment in Rivian Automotive. Uh, the CFO did say that they're questioning hiring plans, likely won't hire at the same pace in previous years. Let's talk about some important numbers. Um, if you take a look here, Amazon Web Service came in at 19.7 billion, beating the 19.56 billion uh, expected. Advertising at 8.76 billion, beating the 8.65 billion expected. And Amazon said that it expects to post third quarter revenues between 125 billion and 130 billion, representing a growth of 13 to 17 percent. And the expectations are for 126.4 billion so everything okay that's what we'll just say it wasn't like a blowout blowout but it was pretty good and with the expectations in the gutter for everything and you get obviously you know the beat and the beat and the guidance seeming to be fine as well they couldn't stop buying it joel i mean i'm long amazon obviously well not me my wife is so basically i'm long amazon <laughs> in the, so i see i give her some good ones every once in a while mitch you know i give oh, her some i see dogs you there, i see you i but see every once you in a while, you gotta give her a good one so Got to balance out Amazon. the portfolio, man. Yeah, we're long. Um, <laughs> what a move, though. I mean, I didn't expect an 11% move. I'm not sure what the straddle was. Maybe it was expecting just as much. I, we probably should have looked at that. But up 13, we started to leak off a little bit here. But it's a big move. Like, you'd think it was a real blow away when you see an 11 or 12% uh, yeah, move. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, it seemed like a good report. But it didn't seem like a great report. It doesn't matter. This honey badger market's just squeezing the hell out of the shorts. Yeah, because I looked at it, too, and, of course, you know, they gave a guide, but it was kind of like, okay, well, what kind of guy, you know, we're looking for 126, we say 125 to 130, whatever we think doesn't make any difference. What is important yeah. is the price action, and yes. they bought the living daylights out of it, they're not giving it back. Uh, pre-market high. I just you just gotta say 140 if you're you know if you're looking for a longer term number 139 39 is your after hours high. We've backed off only a couple bucks from that. Uh, 140 just above that was the low before it gapped down off its last earnings report. So short term number, long term number, it's both. It's uh it's a question of when and if Amazon can clear this 140. And I'm not even talking about clearing it i'm talking about clearing it 
closing above the ad, putting a couple uh, lows in the high 139 handle. That's it. But that that's what I'm looking at uh, for Amazon. One heck of a move. And I'm sure that wasn't uh, that kind of move wasn't baked into the straddles. So um, don't have that platform. And, and then jump over to Apple. We might as well cover them together because Let's you have the move in the overall market in the queues at four o'clock. And then Apple always comes out at 430 and you're just like, OK. You know, as Apple and, and then the earnings came out and Mitch, how they do? Well, EPS coming in here at a dollar and twenty cents, beating the dollar and sixteen cent estimate. Sales at eighty-two point nine six billion, beating the eighty-two point eight one billion estimate. Apple sees Q three Mac revenue seven point three eight billion, down from eight point two three billion year over year. Wearable revenue down also 8.8 billion down from 8.77 billion a year over year um now i did get a note here from luke capital gene monster so definitely got to give him a shout out uh this is based on what i believe but what was the most important comment for the call cook's assessment in respect to the iphone there was no obvious evidence of macroeconomic impact during the june quarter besides fx the segment grew 3% year over year. So uh, weighing in with FX, this was actually pretty good results there uh, for the iPhone. I know a lot of people were worried about the demand there. Um, now, the only area of softness that we saw really was in wearables. Home accessories uh, are the ones that missed uh, pretty big. They missed expectations by 10% and reported an 8% year over year revenue decline. We're not seeing... The slowing in demand, in, in, we're seeing it in certain pockets, but we're not seeing it across the board yet. And to your point, Mitch, doesn't look like Apple is seeing it yet either. Certain things, just people are going to buy them. You know, they're the last things they're going to buy. People don't want to give up their iPhone. They need an mm -hmm. iPhone. They're going to do it. I mean, some things are sticky. And then there's discretionary purchases like boats and stuff that, you know, some people are like, okay, I'll lay off that. Um, I did hedge my Apple going into the report. Still have the hedge on. Wish I wouldn't have because it's up four bucks. But... Um, I, I don't know. I, I feel like there could be a rug pull here, so I'm a little bit scared. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard to be bearish this market when it just continues to climb the wall of worry. I mean, I tweeted out this morning, there's so many things we could worry about, you know, to obviously a little bit of slowing demand in pockets. But I mean, you know, we still have rising interest rates here. We've still got, you know, inflation, which is, you know, seriously, you know, if it's coming, I, I think we may have saw peak inflation. But you're still seeing prices go up at the grocery store. You're still seeing, even though commodity prices have come in, you're still seeing inflation in a lot of other areas. I mean, and then the whole China situation, which we can get into after, I mean, is a scary situation as well. I mean, Biden didn't have a call with Xi yesterday, but, you know, some of the stuff that came off that call, or at least what the media is reporting, sounded scary to me too. So, and obviously the war with Ukraine as well. There's still lots of things to worry about here. This honey yeah. badger market just continues to climb the wall of worry. And, you know, to, to our point, you know, I got bullish, you know, a few weeks ago here, um, but I feel like I'm at a point that the markets had such a run that it's still prudent to be taking profits because I'm scared of the next rug pull. Uh, Apple just goes specific to Apple here. Yeah, it got a boost. So this report, a little bit more, you know, justifying the move up, right? I mean, you even got uh, those comments that, uh, that uh, Gene alluded to. We don't see it. You know, the, the demand and for iPhones, everyone needs their iPhone. 
Leaked three bucks off the high. Um, 164 is a good level. It's a good level on your pre-market chart because that was your after hours chart because that's where it went to immediately. And then on your daily, uh, you got 164.08. So I'd be using that as a target on the long side. Uh, looks like it's starting to thicken up, though. It looks like the yeah. sellers could come down. They came down off 164. Let's see what we can do at 163. And then they're like, okay, we can't get enough done at 163. We're coming down to 162. Um, and that's where they're at now. And now we'll see if it goes 161 off of here. Um, just a similar pattern. It kind of noticed this in uh, Meta yesterday. Uh, someone just... Uh, Looking at the 60 minute, this is when we talked about it on the show. It wasn't going through 163 in the morning. I mean, that was obvious. And then yeah. they jammed it down near the low of the move and rebounded. So it looks bounced like you right where it had to. That 154 yeah, exactly. low, it held that low. It so did. it bounced where it had to. But there is certain stocks, like we say, you know, buy the dip is hot again. And obviously, in certain stocks, that has been the case. But you have other stocks that, you know, are <sighs> not coming back like at least you know quickly obviously snapchat the dip has not even been looked at on that thing um you know you had upstart the warning that stock is still sitting down near the lows there's certain stocks they're not coming back and that brings us into intel here Ugh. and intel is an epic disaster here once again they just seem to be clockwork that this company just finds ways to disappoint the street i have no idea what they're doing anymore it's been a value trap the whole time um I sold it back in that March rally, and I got lucky to get out of this one. I've obviously been hit on other stocks, but lucky to get out of this one because this thing is significantly lower here. Now at $35, it seems like they can't do anything right here. Mitch, tell us about the earnings report, and then Joel, break down the technicals on the disaster stock of the day. I, I tried to talk about it yesterday before at the close. It's just not sexy anymore. And, nope. and when things yep. are not sexy and they stop being sexy... Well, stories can change. Intel Q2. So stop on that point, and then we'll go into because I want to just you know ex yeah. talk about that point. It's such a great point you're making, and you were you know a story stock investor. Like Mitch is good at finding the sexy story or finding what is the next sexy story. And yeah, I mean, trends. when he says something is not sexy, he's absolutely correct. It's hard for a stock to turn around when it's you know, and, and it's it's a good analogy. It's hard for a stock to turn around when it's not sexy. It's hard for it to just all of a sudden buyers to come back in and say, yeah, this is the turnaround story. IBM has struggled with this for a decade. Oh, you know, and Intel's struggling. going the same way. And I'm scared Cisco, CSCO could do the same thing here too. Some of those yeah. old school darlings from the year 2000 are just not the darlings anymore. I mean, Intel, we know. Has AMD and NVIDIA have eaten their lunch and become the players, and Intel has fallen. So you can talk about the turnaround story here, but it's hard to turn the stocks around. They've tried, you know, they're trying different CEOs, trying different things, but the market just, you know, and it's to a, the point of valuation as well. I mean, even if the company starts to turn around, they're not going to give it the valuation that they give to NVIDIA or that they give to AMD because the story is just not sexy. So jump into that report, though, but great point, Mitch. Let's do it. EPS coming in here at a miss here, missing at 29 cent, missing the 69 cent estimate. Pretty big miss there. Sales at 15.3 billion, missing the 17.92 billion estimate. So another big miss here. Intel CEO did say adjusted PC demand down to 310 million to 325 million down 10% year over year in its calendar year of 2022. 
from the previous outlook of 350 million. They see Q3 EPS at 35 cents versus the 87 cent estimate. Sales at 15 to 16 billion on the high side, and the estimate here on the sales for Q3 was at 18.62 billion. So definitely guiding down there. Zozo Trader tweeted, Intel not inside. I mean, that's pretty much what this is now. Remember the commercials was always like in the corner of all these commercials, Intel inside. It's not see, inside a lot. That's of how much I don't anymore. know. That's how much I don't even know about this story, Dennis. That I don't well, you're, you're young. Oh, this There's is always all, this the is commercial really back <laughs> in the early 2000s. You'd have and an Intel like, commercial or you'd like, have a do-do-do. You'd even be on non-Intel commercials. And they'd pop in the corner and be Intel inside. And everybody wanted an Intel. It's like uh, now can... it's not the case. The consumer mindset has changed and they aren't interested in Intel chips. I mean, yeah. and, 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 and that's the And there's a reason problem. why though, right? There's a reason why. I think there's the important thing too. It's the reason why is that they actually lack in performance. That's well, the real key well, here is go. that they started to lack in performance compared to the AMD chips. And if you want to compare that for a while, Intel used to kick ass over AMD, but then they started catching up. And once they caught up to where it was an equal player, AMD just started taking over the story. We got a tip, $19.99. Kennedy, K. Kennedy, thank you very much. Says he enjoys the show and he's coffee. Coffee is on you, Kennedy. I'm we like it. that. Cheers yeah. up. You know what I always say on live trading? Pinky on up. So I appreciate you, Kenny. Uh, Dennis, it was Intel and it was do-do-do, do-do-do. That's what. Uh, yeah, there you uh, go. Joel's that, got the dues. Yeah, that no, someone that's, put, that's I, not there anymore. Yeah, and then it would like kind of. Ah, boy, oh boy, I, I own this. It's an epic disaster. Um, small mm. position, even a smaller position now. That's a good yeah. thing. As a, if you're a buy and holder, though, <laughs> as your positions become disasters, <laughs> they become a smaller part of your portfolio, and they slowly don't hurt you as much as they used exactly. to. Exactly. <laughs> ah, man, I was just looking at this way below the COVID low by 10 bucks now and i can just yeah we talked about this one yesterday and at the close and i i gave you you know i said no chance of upside until we clear 4070 well we can forget about seeing that for a while we'll just go to the monthlies here and um yeah you were at 3438 in uh i mean there's a couple monthly lows here uh the the where there's two of them is in the lower 33 handle, 3323, 3334. So um, beyond that, we're sitting on the lows of the pre-market session. So not much, little nibbling, sneaky buyer at 35, but uh, I don't know. leak and leak. Yeah, it does 35, you got the low, Joel, to your point, the July 5th low, 35.54. We're slightly below that, but we haven't traded through in the regular session. I mean, Correct. that's the bogey. When stocks are making new 52-week lows, you got to go. And that's right. They're going to challenge it here today. There's really no reason to be long Intel, at least from a trading perspective. All right. Yeah. Let's go if, if, trading perspective, if you're short and you're thinking of bringing it in. Yeah, maybe. If, <laughs> if it makes new lows on the move, makes me not want to bring it in. If I know. Short. Exactly. Exactly. It's It's been a tough story for a long time. Intel and IBM, you can group them together. Yeah, it's been uh, kind of a, a story that I, I talk about this often, and you just kind of mentioned it also with some other brands. There's a lot of these saturated brands that need to bring in innovation, and if they don't bring innovation, they 
quickly can get left behind. And, Mitch, and that's made, exactly what's happened. Mitch, you made a good point too um, about you know with the pandemic, right? Everyone working at home, everyone needed their computer. Yeah, I was talking yeah, about yeah, this with yeah, Joel. Yeah, um, I need a new computer, right? And, yeah, everyone kind of it, it front front ran demand there, right? In the pandemic and coming out, everyone was at home, probably getting new computers in 2020, 2021. And 2022 comes rolling around and then no one really needs a computer really because yeah. they probably already went and bought it. And also the prices have been going up and up on computer parts. So it, it doesn't make it easier to get a computer nowadays than let's say two years ago. All right. Um, well, let's but, look at a stock that makes Intel look like it's having a, a good day. Well, let's go ahead. Let's oh, take gosh. a look here. I will say so that the other they, disaster stock of the they day. turned the TVs off because Roku's earnings definitely show that. Wow. Uh, EPS coming in at a loss here of 82 cents, missing the loss of 68 cent estimate. Sales at 764.41 million, missing here the 805.64 million estimate. Roku added that the advertising market would continue to suffer in the current quarter, that consumer spend would moderate, and which would, of course, hurt their TV selling um, and related hardware accessories. Uh, Roku missed on guidance. It said that it's going to bring in $700 million in revenue during the third quarter, well below the $902 million that was the estimate. It's turning in, and we've said this before, a reason why I haven't liked Roku for a long time. It feels like TiVo. It feels like TiVo. You know, TiVo was a thing. Oh, man. You're comparing We've said that. I've I've had made that comparison for two years. I made it wrongly as the stock climbed up all the way, and I didn't participate in it. But this does feel like it's the TiVo. This is, you know, the parts. It gets you streaming. TiVo was, you know, the original, you know, like, let's rewind TV. Well, then then they put it into all the TVs, and they put it into every service. And all of a sudden, Mm -hmm. you didn't need a TiVo anymore. I mean, your smart TVs have it all built in. Do you need the Roku? I mean, some of the Roku is being built into the TVs, which is good. But do you need the little boxes when every... I just bought two TVs, Mitch, They're for my new house. They're both smart TVs. I don't need Roku boxes for them. So, I Are mean, again, at that point... What's that? <laughs> Are they Amazon TVs? <laughs> I don't I don't actually know. They're not. I think I was... Uh, <laughs> I was Samsung. And the other one's a Sony, I think. Because I, I have two them. Amazon TVs and I have one Roku that's next to me. So Yeah. And some of the Roku is being built into the TVs too. But I mean, yeah. the little boxes, you're eventually not going to need any of the little boxes. So I that think... whole business aspect, I mean, it's going to be competitive for them. And they're ne- mm-hmm. they haven't never really made money. I don't know if they ever have. I mean, the valuation's been nuts. You know, Kathy, one of her biggest holdings, if not one of her biggest, it'll be more. She knows she'll buy more here on this dip. Because oh. she sticks to it. But I think she's wrong on this story. I think oh, Roku shit. could bounce. It's oversold. You know, we're just selling 20 points. They're in the buy the dip mentality here. I think when we look at Roku, though, five years from now or even two years from now, I personally believe, just my opinion, that the stock is much lower. Can't we're, blame you for that outlook. <laughs> well, uh, the bad news is it's uh, it's down 1837, 21.5%. The good news is it six bucks off its pre-market? It's after hours. The low. buy the dip mentality is going to be in here. Maybe I would stay away from this one. I'd rather buy the dip in something else, but it might be in there, Joel. I mean, you're starting yeah. to see it come in. People are looking to buy stuff. This is just, and it could go back to seventy, seventy-five. It could. I just think the long-term story here, outlook. I just look at the competition. Do you need that Roku? I, I just don't think you need. You have one unheard message. <laughs> 
Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow. <laughs> I could really use Current. <laughs> I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Never had one. Uh, it just, you know, keep an eye on like the rebound people that uh, that scooped it up, you know, under, you know, actually got under 61. I would just say probably thicken up if you start to go back down because a lot of people are thinking, boy, I wish I come in. I wish I would have brought this in at 62 or 63 or 64. So I think you'll see some bids on the way down as opposed to this after hours just uh, blitzkrieg. And uh, your recovery high. <laughs> what was that word? <laughs> Blitzkrieg. You've heard that Blitz, word before. Blitzkrieg? Blitzkrieg yeah. This one? Come Blitzkrieg? On. Come on. What yeah. the heck does Blitzkrieg mean? I got to stop you. On Don't worry, one. Dennis. Joel gets these words from the 1950s. Intense yeah, mili- that's, a, that's a World War II word, I think. It's a, it's an intense military campaign. Yeah, it's uh, intended it, to bring about like... a swift victory. Let's uh, well, We learned something new here today. Yeah, there you go. There you okay, go. Okay, they know this is from World War II. Mitch knew it too. So okay, all right. I, I paid attention in in history. Don't worry, I paid attention, guys. Well, but I'm Canadian, so my Canadian history maybe didn't have Blitzkrieg. So, so, so the big thing here, I think, with Roku is also focusing on what their strategy is, right? Because I think a lot of their strategy was first to try to get inside your home, right? That's why they put their devices out. That's why they put them inside the TVs. The second step, I think, really was them to try to turn into like a Netflix where they could have original content and they could get it right into your TV where you wouldn't even need to download the app. You would essentially have it already on your TV. And so that's the same kind of strategy that Amazon's using with their Amazon TVs, right? They have Amazon Prime Video. I don't I don't have to ask my Amazon TV to show me uh, Amazon Prime Video. It already shows me there when I turn it on. And so I think that's their strategy. The question, will it work, right? Will their original content start taking off? Will they be able to get the content that they need? And of course, we saw Netflix for a long time spending a lot of cash to get that content to get them to where they got to. All right, let's get out of Roku. Let's get into, of course, some other news here. Let's talk about U.S. Steel. I think this is an interesting one. Let's take a look at their earnings report. So let's go to X. I always say, you know, X is going to give it to you. And uh, we'll take a look here. EPS coming in at $3.86, missing the $3.87 estimate. So just missed by a penny there. Uh, Sales at $6.29 billion. 
uh, beating the 576 billion estimate. U.S. Uh, steel surge on a 500 million stock buyback. Um, so that's why it's kind of up. That buyback definitely gave it that lift here. Um, it's one to watch. It's been pretty strong the last couple of days. I mean, everything. In about so, what we got a uh, four two weeks. It's been up about thirty four percent more. Even Mitch sixteen dollars and forty one cents <laughs> the low, and you're trading twenty two sixty five. So you throw six. Yeah, you're thirty five forty percent up here in a matter of basically two and a half weeks. I mean, now you're chasing it. You got major, super duper for you, Joel. Resistance up at twenty five. That's two and a half bucks away from here. Yeah, but we've come a long ways, and to that point. I actually hedged my new core yesterday too because I'm looking at this and you had the 180 all the way down to the 100. Now I've come back to 130 and I don't think it's getting easier at this point in time. We just had a 30% rally in new core in basically three weeks, three and, or maybe four weeks, you could call it, three and a half weeks. I mean, X, same thing. I mean, sometimes it's just good to just take the profits and run. Sometimes you can do different hedging strategies, you can write some calls, you can do some different things. Um, but at a certain point, we've just had a pretty big move here. So, I mean, and, and we called it. So I think it's still prudent to this be taking profits. I know we got room to 420. We talked about that in SPY yesterday. Maybe this PCE number is going to come out and really go. Um, because yeah, if they start go. to show, it could in two minutes. We might see even more movement yeah. here. I just feel like I'm taking some chips off the table, though. We did pretty good, you know, getting bullish here a couple of weeks ago when the whole world was bearish. But now the whole world's starting to turn a little bit more bullish. And there's still a lot of crap to worry about here. So I think the number could be okay today. I do think we saw peak inflation. I do think there's room to 420 on SPY, but we've got a big chunk of the move already. I think slowly taking chips off the table is still prudent here. All right. Uh, let me go ahead and try to give those estimates really quickly here before we go wide on that. Do you want to maybe do that X text right quick? Uh, pre-market, I didn't really, nothing jumping out to me. 2280 is the pre-market high. And there was another daily high there though. I, I don't... I don't have something, don't have a good, great level for you in that one. All right, so let's keep watch here. What's important on this? Of course, the number that the Fed watches, the core PCE price index. So you got month over month estimates at 0.5. Prior was 0.3. We don't want to see something come in like, let's say, 0.8, right? Um, core PCE price index year over year estimate is 4.7. Prior was 4.7. So there we wouldn't want to see something like, let's say, 5. Um, we're going to watch to see what happens as this hits the tape. Also, don't forget today at 10 a.m., you'll get the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. Uh, the estimate is 51.1. Prior was 51.1. What you wouldn't want to see on that one is a number actually go down towards, let's say, 50. So keep that one on your radar. That's the University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. I'm going to go hide. Time to go wide, baby. Go wide, Dennis. Go wide. All right, I'll tell let's you see what's going I, on here. Yeah, there, there. I could tell you where there's resistance. Forty-one oh eight seventy-five. Uh, that stands as a pre-market high. If we go into reverse here, I, I just don't know where to tell you support is. To be absolutely honest with you, uh, we just ticked down. Uh, we just nicked that pre-market low. That previous pre-market low was ninety-one and a quarter. Boom! You caught a bid right there. Moving back up mid range psychologically, I think 4,100. You know, like wow, when's the last time we've been at 4,100? So, little bounce dip, a little bounce. So, not getting back into 4,100 handle that is a little bit worrisome here. Uh, coming back towards under 4090, 
Really, the only thing you can look at is uh, the top of the after hours range yesterday. That was 88 and a quarter. But the, the Bulls are making a stand here at uh, 4090. What were the actual numbers there, Mitch? All right. I got right now, I have the year over year number as 4.7. So that's good. That's looking good there. Um, looking at this right now, I'm trying to read actually the as it hits the tape. Okay. It really just hit on. Uh, I'm on here. I'll give you guys the actual. Here, guys, if you guys want to take a look at the actual print here, I'll put it in the comments here for you guys to take a look at it also. I know the news are pulling it right now from this press release. All right. Uh, there it is here. I got a June 0.6 versus the 0.5 estimate. Prior was 0.3, so it actually came in hot there, uh, showing us that inflation not cooling off there, at least from the time being, um, from the PCE reading here. All right. Uh, basically, we were where were we? Pretty at? much in line. This is yeah. kind of like very muted response. But like, this, we this to me wide. isn't good though, Dennis. Even in line isn't good because yeah. inflation was supposed to show a, a topping, right? Topping action. To me, this isn't a good thing. I would expect to have seen it go underneath that estimate, and then that would have been good for the bulls. We would have been full raw, raw, raw. You think eventually we're going to start to see some slowing in the data, but we're just not seeing any of it yet. I Remember mean, what Blue said. It sometimes takes, takes a time. while. Yeah, it takes time. I mean, not great here, just slightly, but it's right there. It's not like it's super high. It's kind of right there with where expectations were. So with that being said, I think, you know, the market's just taking it in stride and it went wide. And now it's like, well, it doesn't seem yeah, to be like a market it's... moving event. We still could see, you know, rug pull here. We could still see some stuff. I mean, S and P's have leaked just slightly here, Joel. But here's personal income quiet. here at yes. 0.6 versus 0.5. Prior was 0.6, so kind of same reading there in personal income. Just a little, little leak, slight leak. We're showing yep. the chart on the S and P here. Yeah, I, I mean, We're it's... waiting for the big move, but <laughs> I don't think it's coming. <laughs> uh, it, there's steady pressure here, um, to me. You know, you got the pop. We were at 96 and a quarter before the number came out. They whacked it. The rebound didn't quite get back to that area at 832. So I, I, I think I think the bears are starting to poke around here. Um, it's just I, I, hard to find support here because of that price action from yesterday. So. All the price action from the last three weeks. I mean, yeah. we have had a hell of a move. And even to take it back from three weeks, just go to July 14th. 371.04 on the S&P to 408. I mean, this is a 400 point rally here in the S&P futures, Joel, in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten sessions. It's a huge move. We've had a lot. Like, if you're stuck in stocks, you've got a gift here. A lot of, you know, if you were like 100% or all in or even on margin, you've been given a gift. This has been a nice rally. We are not out of the woods. I like to think we're out of the woods. I like to still think the low is in. I still think that's the case. But, you know, are we going straight up and just going 424, 40, and 460 and going to all time highs? I don't think it gets easier at this point in time. That's why I'm booking some profits. Yeah, and then um, just kind of to focus on here is what will the Fed comments be now, right? I mean, um, will we get kind of, oh, well, we're not seeing inflation top. We need to kind of hit it harder. I think that what that could be coming. 
So I'm going to be paying attention to see what happens. Also, don't forget, 10 a.m., University of Michigan Consumer Sentiment. If that trickles down again, showing weakness oh, again, will that also bring us back down also? So two things here. Um, definitely going to keep watch. Um, and the year over year came in at 4.8. Estimate was 4.7. Prior was 4.7. So it actually trickled up. This is not what I think everyone was expecting. I think to a lot of people, they have already thought that inflation's topped, but at least the data is not showing that. So we're trying to tick red on the IWM. We're right there right now. Um, Joe, can you reshare your charts? It's hard to look at the S&P today because you got Amazon and Apple that are are giving you the fluff there. The IWM is better. We're basically flat. So we've given back the gain here. Because Amazon and Apple are going to hold the S&P up a little bit. So, you know, you can't just look at the S&Ps to go flat. But IWM is trying to tick red. So just getting back to scratch, trying to hold there at scratch. It's it's not a great number, but then they're going back. And you just think we've had some pretty good reports, or at least, you know, the response to reports has been pretty good. And you've still got that buy the dip mentality out there. So it's hard to go rah, rah, full bearish because the, the bears, let's be honest, the shorts you know, who's buying dip up here, though? I mean... Come on, buying a dip. I mean, there's dips to buy, but I mean. Yesterday was the dip to buy. But you see how vicious they are towards it, Joe. We get the dip off the open yesterday. Oh. You know, and we drop like about 30 S&P handles. And then all of a sudden, they just start buying and they can't stop buying. And they rip them again. It's been a tough market to be bearish. But it's a tough call here. Like, it was an easier call last week when everybody was bearish or two weeks ago. It's not as easy of a call here now. It's like, okay, we got a little more room to the upside, but now we got so much air beneath us here. It's just air everywhere. So it's like I go basically back to trading market neutral here at this point in time because we've had a big move, and I think there's a little more gas in the tank, so I don't want to go full bearish short, but I don't want to get caught either with the next rug pull. So that's why I still think prudent to just take some chips off the table. It's been a good move. We've had some good response to earnings, which weren't that great. And the whole China situation is still a big question mark, which we'll get to after our guest. Yeah, let's go ahead. We'll dive into our guest right now. We'll take a look at definitely something that I'm looking at, and it just doesn't seem like there's any slowdown. I'm looking at kind of the the month-to-month numbers, and it it's not looking, at least from the numbers, what we're seeing in the prices. All right, let's get out of the core talk. Let's get into our special guest today. Let's bring on Ms. Schneider, Managing Director at Market Gauge. Welcome back, Ms. Hey, nice to see you guys. Help, so help us uh, make some sense out of this market here. We can we can talk about the mar- modern family or just talk about, you know, Q2 earnings so far. But uh, just a reaction yesterday in the market, in the rally. I mean, uh, are, we, are we out of the woods here, uh, Mish? Are we, uh, I mean, everyone's looking for a rug pull that, that doesn't happen very often. What's, uh, what's your overall take on this rally? Are you getting cautious up here or still more room on the upside? Well, these are all great questions, and I was listening to your analysis before I came on, and I pretty much agree with everything you said. It's it, If it's a bit frothy, good time to take some profits, not out of the woods necessarily, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to be dumping. And getting into strength here, which could still be a bear market rally, could be dangerous. But let's try to really make it very specific in terms of the types of things to look at and also the overall macro theme. So I know there's been a lot of play, recession, not recession, whatever. We've been saying stagflation for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
And I really do like to look at the 70s. In fact, the last time we had uh, two periods of GDP down like this and similarity in terms of what happened after with a three-day rally, interestingly enough, was in the early 70s. And this has been the 70s show for us for a while now in that we didn't have an oil embargo, but obviously we have the Russia-Ukraine war, which spiked up energy prices. And we do have a slowdown of economic growth. We have a lot of geopolitical concerns all over the world. And notwithstanding also what some of the stuff that could potentially continue to happen in the United States. Um, and on top of that, we've had this out of control inflation in so many other areas. So I think that what we have right now is a situation where the Fed, obviously there's the don't fight the Fed thing, right? Um, there's a few things you have to look at. Number one is you have to really look at the long bonds right now, the TLTs. And I'm just looking at them over here. So they're down a little bit. They were sort of teetering at around 119 in the TLTs, and now they're down closer to 117. I think that's going to be a real key for two reasons. Number one is because obviously if there's any kind of flight to safety in the bonds where the bonds start actually outperforming the SPY, that's kind of a signal that things aren't all that rosy in, in, in the stock world. Number two is if they fall much further and let's say break down under 116, 115, what it's signaling is the yields, which are still really kind of low if you think about it, even with the raise by the Fed this week, uh, are possibly could shoot back up. And that's not going to be great for the tech market. That's, that's number one. And I don't want to talk too much uh, in one shot. So if you have any thoughts on that, I can then continue or I can just continue. Please continue. Okay. So the next bond market, <laughs> just wanted that permission. Thank you. So the, <laughs> the next bond market is the junk bond market to watch. Very, it was the one thing that made us realize that the market had bottomed basically at the end of June, beginning of July. And when I say bottom, we don't know if that's the bottom forever or the tradable bottom because the junk bonds actually also bottom. And now why are they important? High yield, high debt, right? So this is where people go when it's a risk on environment. And right now, even this morning, as I'm looking, the junk bonds are up again. So they've had a tremendous move from the lows. So the question is, do they hold? So I would be looking at HYG around the 78 level. If it takes out 78, it's probably got more upside. So does the market. If it starts to teeter here and fall, particularly if you blend that with the TLTs, what the bond market is telling you is that, again, maybe we've gotten too frothy and a little ahead of ourselves. So those are the two things and I just want to tie that into the macro because what can happen in a situation, and this is what happened in the 70s, is commodities and equities can go up together. And then at some point when inflation starts to look like it's going to get crazy, and right now we have a Fed really more transparent than ever telling us that they're fighting inflation more than they care about recession, they don't even think we're in a recession, that's when you'll start to see more aggressive action by the Fed. And that's what equities can fall, but not necessarily control commodities. So that's why I think right there, the bond market to me is the biggest key going. And a lot of people don't really know how to focus on that. 
you know, you look at different peri- you know periods of the market's been following there for a long time, and you and you try and make uh, you know correlations, and you know I don't want to go into the whole you know redefining recession or what out um, what not. You had a pandemic. I mean, it just it, what, what's going on in the market right now with with inflation and recession, non recession. I mean, it's really hard to you know to you know find the time that this correlates to. Can you uh, you know? I mean, it's definitely not a rampant inflation environment. Well, it may be like the seventies. I mean, what's what's the 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 easiest comparison that uh, that you can make? Well, I go back to the seventies, but there's some very big differences, obviously, because the labor market. I mean, that, to me, the labor market is probably the most interesting place to look right now. Because on one level, right, this is what the Fed's looking at. We had great numbers on the last unemployment uh, statistics that came out. We have another one coming out in a week from now, by the way. So they'll be watching that. But what's, it doesn't really tell you the whole picture, right, Joel? I mean, because it's not saying about the participation rate that right now there are still over 10 million jobs available. And in the last number, more people started quitting their jobs. So I've been really thinking, what does this mean? And I kind of like come up with the idea that it's in some ways a soft revolution. And that's really something that we're seeing all over the world, right? People are just sort of fed up with the shortage of food, government control, manipulation by the banks, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, manipulation of gold, as we're seeing with J.P. Morgan. And so... People aren't going back to work, even though it defies logic because they need money, partly because they're like, I can't make enough money to, to buy stuff anyway, based on the cost of inflation. So why bother? And, and, and I think people are also staying home, hoping to become more in, term, in terms involved with trading, whether it's Bitcoin or the market. And number three is they're saying, you know what? The hell with them. Who wants to work anyway? Why should I keep this, this machine going, this machine that, that doesn't care about me? And that is, I think, an interesting thing to keep in mind, because that's really where social unrest, and we've seen it in pockets, certainly. Yeah. globally, but we've seen it in pockets here in the U.S. And that's why I think it's a little bit different and yet the same as the 70s, because, right, what was happening in the 70s, there were protests like crazy, particularly the Vietnam War and then the whole Nixon thing. I go back to the 70s as the best comparison, but we still have some differences here, especially with the labor, because back then people were dying to get jobs and and the unemployment numbers were much higher. Now people are like, who cares? I don't even want to work. And that's a it's incredible to me, the mindset. Definitely. Uh, the, the millennials, I won't even get started on that conversation, Mish. Let's take a look at the <laughs> Fed outlook now, right? PCE coming in just a little bit harder than expected here. Now, what do they look at now? Do they change their rate of hike rates or will they just continue? Well, Powell did talk about the PCE, and he's very concerned about it. Um, You know, it was a very interesting speech. I actually listened to most of it uh, on Wednesday. And he was really, um, I think, tried, he's got this incredible calming voice, which is great for the markets. But if you listen to what he said, he was like, well, we don't even know what we're going to do. We're going to be data dependent. So this kind of data is really what's going to be in his mind. Next week, the labor reports, what's going to be in his mind. But he has been very clear that inflation is going to be his number one thing. So look what's happening right now. Gold could be finally waking up. 
We also have the grains coming back after a big dump. There's still tremendous issues all over the place in terms of Mother Nature. I mean, my God, did you see Las Vegas is underwater on the Strip? Uh, Kentucky, people have died there. Um, and, you know, and this is the crops. All of our crops have been really underperforming. So food inflation can continue. And this is the conundrum for the Fed, because even if they jack up rates to try to destroy demand, how do you make up with rates for poor crops or lack of energy globally uh, or a Russia that's basically thumbing their nose in terms of the oil and the energy markets? So I think that the Fed is going to continue to be aggressive, more aggressive than people think, because you're going to see that basically they're going to have not much choice and commodities could go out of control because certain commodities they can't control, even if they raise rates, unless they go, you know, like really, really high. And they're not going to do that, especially in a midterm election where they could really put the skids on the economy, which, of course, the big talking point right now, as we know, is that ah, things are fine. We're not really in a recession. Nisha, this is such a tough market because you can look at the economy and you can say, well, you know, we still got inflation. We got rising interest rates rising faster than we've seen in decades. Um, you've got a war going on in Ukraine. You have political uncertainty, really, with the China-Taiwan China, uh, situation happening. There's so many things that we can worry about here. And even to the earnings, they haven't been fantastic. But the market just seems to be at this point in time turned. It feels like sentiment has turned and we're like, you know, just on this march of climbing the wall of worry again, which we've done over the course of the past decade. Are we back to just this climbing the wall of worry or do some of these things eventually start to hit the mark stocks again? Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue all in the Kroger app. Get three pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Well, I love the expression that the earnings were not better than expected, but better than feared. Because there you go. I, yeah, that, that, <laughs> that's really what's driving the market up right now is everything's better than what we fear. Inflation, people still think it's kind of peaked. I don't, for example. Um, yeah, the labor, they're going, oh, OK, the Fed. All right. Well, you know, two and a half percent. We can deal with that. That's where we were, by the way, in 2018. And we've already sold off ahead of that. So the market kind of priced that in. So right now, as long as things stay the way they are, we could continue to climb the wall of worry, which is why, going back to my initial conversation, you really have to watch both the long bonds and the, the, the yield curve. I mean, that's people watch that. I don't watch it as much, but that's definitely an indication. And the junk bonds, because that's really where you're going to see if there's a shift or if people are still going, eh. Everything's better than we feared, and we have more upside in the market. And we've been looking at around 4,200 as a re between 40, uh, 417, 417, let's talk in terms of SPY, 417 and 420 as a really reasonable target. We've thought that all along. So we're not that far away. So let's see what happens. Um, do I think new highs, everybody jump back in the pool and everything's great again? No, because I think the Fed is going to have to deal with this. And also, I wonder, even though Apple and Amazon's earnings are backwards, they haven't priced in this new 75 basis points. 
It'll also be interesting to see what happens going forward. And I think the earnings were interesting because believe it or not, the biggest iPhone sales that came out of Apple was from India and not necessarily in the United States. So yeah, to your point, we got a lot of potential bubbles all around, but if you just keep your eyes on those two areas in the bonds and watch retail, modern family, granny retail, right? So important, it is actually the lagging sector of the entire modern family right now. And even with the Apple and the Amazon earnings being robust, we'll see what it does today, but it has barely lifted its head above its 200 week moving average. And if that can rally and catch up, then yeah, I'd say we have more upside. If the retail sector, which by the way, is the biggest uh, component of GDP, right? 70%, we're a consumer economy. If that starts to falter along with the bonds, then you know this party is over and we're probably gonna go back and test the lows at least again. And that's kind of where we're at. You gotta be nimble. Got to be nimble, like always, especially in this market when things can change on a dime. Appreciate you coming in today, Ms. Schneider, Managing Director at Market Gauge, and we'll definitely have you back on. Thank you so much. It was great to see you guys. Appreciate it. All right, guys, let's keep it going here. We got some more earnings stocks to talk about. We just got the PCE to come in a little bit hot. How's the market looking right now, Joel? Just, just hanging out, Joel. We're not doing much. Just hanging out? Yeah, we're hanging oh, out. He's on the mute he's settled he's on in. The mute. Say we've settled in. I think you Joel. clicked mute it. Just a click it on the screen there. Oh, Joel's on mute. He's trying to figure out how to unmute. Got it. There we go. He's back. Uh, we went down. We nicked the pre-market. You know, we took out the pre-market low, but it was like bid. Uh, I'm bidding. I'm bidding. And we just, I mean, it's hard to, you know, figure out gaps. The, the uh, wild... Uh, after hours action, we made um, a high at 88 and a quarter. So from that, you filled the gap on the downside, at least uh, in the way that I look at the markets. And now you're on the rebound up, up 19 handles. It's going to look at like, still going to look at like 96, 97 as a significant level, because that's where we were before the PCE came out. So if the, they, the bulls want to get control, that they're going to get it back up there and get it back in the 4,100 handle. All right, let's go towards the black gold, the oil, baby. Let's take a oh, look yeah. at some of these earnings stocks coming in today and starting it off really. Exxon Mobil EPS yeah. here at $4.14, beating the $3.74 estimate. Sales at 115.68 billion missing the 132.7 billion estimate there uh miss on the sales but i don't think that mattered just just much. do chevron with it yeah i'll do chevron with it i got you let me go ahead and, and get throw up the exxon numbers i'll should give you chevron's numbers too eps at five dollars and 82 cents beating the five dollars and eight cent estimate sales at 68.76 billion beating the 57 0.96 billion estimate and i mean if we're just going to give them let's just give phillips too right sure. uh, i thought phillips 66 was one to kind of catch here uh eps coming in at six dollars and 77 cents beating the five dollars and 78 cent estimate so big beat there on eps for phillips let's go through them let's see what we see on these charts the and i think this is something to talk about because we just yeah. saw pce right we've been seeing talking about is inflation peaking or not let's take a look at what oil's saying now the one play has been to be long the oil stocks into the reports and then selling them right after on the pops. 
um, because we saw Valero yesterday yep. absolutely blow it away. VLO, I don't know if we talked about it on the show. We but did. it opened at the highs, basically, and they just pulled the rug out from under. And why is that? Because there's still a lot of people, including myself, that believe that oil prices could come down. And if that happens, they're at peak earnings right now. So is this as good as it gets for the oils? It might be. We're seeing nice pops in Exxon, Chevron here again today. I think there could be, you know, I'd be careful chasing these for the simple reason that we've already seen the rug pull. So like I said, the play has been to be long the earnings, long into the reports. They pop into the reports and then selling those pops of the reports, not jumping and chasing them because the rug pull has been happening on some of these oil uh, reports and they've been good. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth there on that because I was thinking about the Valero, uh, ExxonMobil. This is a big move, probably way over its average daily range. So nothing at 95 and a half on the dailies, but that's where uh, someone uh, uh, put a stake in. And uh, so I look at a pop up to 95 see if uh, i can even open over 95 uh, same sentiment there maybe if you're looking for, you know to take profits on this and you think there's a lot more you know it's going to triple digits and make sure you get through that pre-market high uh chevron same thing stuck its head over 150 156.50 do i have anything on the dailies there uh 156. So there's a little bit of a confluence with the dailies and then PSX, uh, same thing that had to pop and that's only up 61 cents now. So 90 still a big level there. Anyway, you crack it up. That was, uh, yesterday's high was 90, 90.08. Do the 50% retracement just on your chart on CVX drill. Cause I think we're kind of right in there on the okay. after hours action at least. So he's got his okay. nice little tool. He won't make me do the error math, but We'll just do and we'll see what that takes us to. So he's got his fib tool coming in there. Uh, it's higher. 157. But you could call it 156 and a half. We've got a buck away from it. Uh, yeah. So yeah. that's major resistance. You know, now you have a pre-market high that's almost coinciding with it just above 155, you know. So you're a buck or two away. Not, well, 156. So you're a buck away you got from it. So I would say that's like, you know, your resistance point. And again, it's like this is always everybody's you know accustomed to 2020 you get these v bottoms v bottoms are not normal it's normal that you wave so you got the move up or, or you got the move down and then you get a little bit of contra rally and then you know the next move is in the same direction here and i think that's where we're in in the oil stocks and i'm still cautious and i might be wrong and i've been bearish and wrong oil for a long time but definitely right in the last couple of months um i think that this rally is to be sold because i think they're at peak earnings I'm going to go and take the opposite end here. Like always, it's fun to have two sides of the For market. Sure. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take the out. opposite end. And the reason why I'm going to take the opposite end is I've just been seeing how natural gas has been really affected by talks of Russia strong arming. And I think we could continue to see more strong arm and pretty much changing this to becoming an energy war. Um, and I think this is really what it comes down to is will there be kind of more pressure on the oil market? I know demand destruction is talked out there, but to me, I haven't seen anybody really kind of change their driving patterns. Um, they're still going to work more than likely. They're still filling up the tank. Now, are they worried about the prices? I would say yes, but I don't, I don't really see a change in the patterns of driving out there. Um, and it seems like the airlines, uh, they're passing on the expense down. So I don't know. I, I have a feeling that we could get back up there. Are we going to break through new all-time highs? I don't think so, but we could stabilize above the 100 price point and maybe start making our way back. Let's see what happens. 
All right, let's get out of the Exxon Mobile. Let's go to Procter yeah. Gamble. Um, yeah. Let's take a look at that one. I think it's an important one to touch today. Let's take a look. EPS coming in at a miss here at a dollar twenty-one, missing the dollar and twenty-three cent estimate. Sales at nineteen point five billion, beating the nineteen point three seven billion estimate. And what did you see on this, uh, Dennis? That kind of caught yeah. your eye. It was interesting. The report broke about six fifty-eight um, Eastern, and the stock was it wasn't a, it wasn't great. It wasn't, but it was trading down around a buck, and it sat there for about ten minutes. And then it's amazing how much influence CNBC can have, or you know, a major opinion can have. But the CEO came on at about ten minutes after the report on CNBC, and the numbers were kind of mixed. And then Becky Quick was interesting enough. Um, pointed out she's like well she was looking at the guidance and she's like well he was he, the ceo said i he was impressed with his quarter stock was still trained down only a buck and then becky quick pointed out well your numbers street was expecting this and you know your guidance is coming in here it sounds like you know that you're guiding down and then he said that is correct and i don't know if he meant it that way but he meant that the numbers that she was saying was slightly lower than what the street expected and when he said that the the algos took it that Procter Gamble, the CEO, just said they're guiding down. And they absolutely, you can see right there um, on that Becky Quick number that that's the big pink bar down. It tanked like four points in less than like two minutes right on that. So, I mean, it's amazing, you know, like just commentary. I'm not even sure if it was if he meant it that way that they're guiding down, but he just meant that her numbers were correct that she was saying. So, which obviously looked like a slight guide down and they hammered it on there. So they kept, I don't know what uh, yeah. that means. They might continue to hammer in on it. Um, with that being said, I think the consumer staples are not the place to hide. Um, they've had it's had a nice bounce, one thirty to one forty eight. I mean, it's come off the lows. This is not a place I'd buy the dip. And uh, they kept going at them. You know, they just mm-hmm. you know uh, Joe Kernan and oh, yeah, uh, Joe Kernan was on them. Yeah, they just uh, <laughs> they they were like they they both were on them, and it, and then and then she like, seems to be pretty good, but Joe jumped in there too. I know, I'm gonna, I know I'm they gonna, were like you know. I'm gonna like, point at why I think they were on them. A lot of that might have been because they saw the Heinz Craft earnings report, right? I mean, look at Heinz Craft. I think this is setting on up here. Uh, actually, going to be looking that at Heinz Craft bought. potentially. Um, that dip got bought. You could. Yeah, I mean, it got bought, but I think it's setting up. I think it's setting up, though. You know, you get PG bad earnings, you get Kinds Craft bad earnings. Maybe it's just the value falling off the tape here and growth taking over. Who knows? That well, that for sure, for sure, Mitch. Like that's you know, and why I was doing some hedging and some of my other stuff too. I hedged my Merck. I was hedging a few things because in an environment there, we go to a deep recession. They hit everything, but those are recession-proof stocks. Right now, it's risk on. So it's not surprising that some of these stocks are starting to come off here all of a sudden, um, you know, even on the reports that they're not, you know, interpreting them as, you know, you could have that report if it's a tech stock, maybe like, well, this was just fine. But because there's a risk on market, Procter & Gamble isn't the stock you want in a risk on market. So that rotation comes in and affects that too. Uh, but we're going in the weekend. We didn't get a chance. Somebody asked about Alibaba. I'm very, <sighs> so, so, so I just want to quickly talk about, you know, um, the China situation. I'm very scared. Obviously, you know, they're locking down. I mean, there's four cases in Wuhan and, you know, they're locking down the country again. I mean, this has just been the issue with supply chain. Never going to start when they were locked down for four cases. You're never getting rid of this. Like COVID is not going away. So we got to learn to live with it. But China's still trying to fight it and not live with that. 
And that's why, you know, they continue to lock down. And obviously, you know, you get different situations. But China stocks are getting hit here once again. FXI is down 3.34%. But there's also the concerns that, you know, this Taiwan situation is scary. That call with Biden, reading, you know, what the commentary was from that call is scary as well. I mean, there was threats from Xi to the U.S. saying, you play with fire, you might get burned. I mean, scary commentary here. And that's a whole nother can of worms that the market is not even looking at right now. But I think that's going to be the next big issue is the political uncertainty between the U.S. and China. Because if we start to have breakdowns there, then the supply chain becomes a complete mess. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm going to let you I'm gonna let you finish up like on that. It. Yeah. I got I to gotta hop over to Pre-Market Prep Plus. Make sure uh, talk about the event real quick. And um, you, uh, Triple means. D, I'll check in with you after the open. Yeah. Definitely, we'll talk about the event. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that. Um, but just to kind of mention and wrap up uh, Joel's comment, uh, Dennis' comments there. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. I think it's very bold to think that, but I think it's one of the things of doing that is just keeping your eyes that there could be future headwinds out there, yes. right? And I think the important part there is that yeah, there's still some tradable moments in between this. But we always got to keep in mind that some bigger catalysts can come in and shake up the market, um, especially when it comes to political pressures like right now we're seeing. Um, It's going to be something to watch. Do the sanctions get pulled off? Because that could be another thing. That could be actually a positive catalyst, right, Dennis? If for some reason we were to make a deal with China and sanctions get pulled off and economics can rise what do you think about There's that a, the whole situation with china is just scary though and that's a situation that is not being priced in at this time Uncertain. because we're all coming in and saying you know inflation you know fed's going to get it under control but if we have some breakdowns with you know with the whole china situation and obviously you know this trip over there and you know the politics behind it and i hope the u.s makes the right decisions but the one thing you don't want it's one thing to piss off russia it's quite another to piss off China because our stores like, okay, Russia, well, we're not getting as much oil and our oil prices go up. We piss off China. I mean, every single thing that we get in this country, it seems like everything is made in China and people are addicted to their cheap products. So, I mean, we're not going to work for $2 an hour over here. So, I mean, if we start to, you know, have a, a breakdown there, you want to see inflation. You'd see a hell of a lot of inflation if all of a sudden we had to start making products here. So, I mean, this is in North America. So this is the situation where I think the U.S. has to tread very carefully. I think they are going to do it. But, I mean, if we start to get a political you know, uncertainty here between China and the U.S., that opens a whole huge can of worms. And if the supply chain was bad before, it'll be really bad going forward. So, I mean, I think we got to be very careful there. But that's a wild card for the Bears. All right, Dennis. So uh, what's coming up on August 18th that everybody should know about? Oh, uh, yeah. So we're doing an event, premarketprep.com. We've said it a couple of times here on the show. Um, we'll continue you know, to, to give you, obviously, um, if you're interested in this, we do have a discount code for um, the listeners there, PMPP10. We'll get you mm, 10% off there PMP. for all of our avid listeners. Um, we want you guys you know, in there. We're going to teach a whole bunch of different stuff. 
um, teaching different strategies, stuff even revolving around the open. But, you know, so we've always focused, you know, on my personal trading, I focus a lot on day trading. We talk day trading, talk long-term investing, but swing trading is a big aspect of my trading as well. And, you know, and getting positioned, you know, and stuff even like, you know, using relationships and like what Mish Schneider talked about today and using, you know, I like the TLT. She uses the, the HYG as an indicator. I mean, there's so many different things you can look at to tell when the market is really turn. And when you catch these turns, and I'm, you know, this is my bread and butter is catching turns. You can really, you know, there's, you can really extract some nice alpha. So, I mean, so we're going to talk about all this stuff. Obviously, you know, we're bringing Spencer back just for the day. We reached out to him and he's like, you know, just start to come back in. He hasn't been doing that much. So he wanted to come in. So he's going to host it with us there. Um, and it's, and Rob Friesen, who was my mentor for a long time, is going to be there as well. So um, it's August 18th. We're doing it during the day for once. We were doing it on the weekends before, but we're doing this one during the day, 12 to 3. You can sign up at premarketprep.com. Sign on up, guys. I know I'll be there, so you guys don't miss it. If you want to learn a little bit more about swing trading, be there. I'll see you guys in just a few seconds on live trading. Dennis, have a good one. Have a Mitch, great have weekend. Have a great weekend. Everyone we'll have back. a great weekend. Um, Mitch, great job as always. You're rocking and rolling this week. Getting better, we, uh, getting better. Trying to I work. I got to tell you, you know, like, you know, it's scary when you lose somebody but Spencer, but Mitch, you're doing a fabulous job. Keep up the good work, buddy. Appreciate it, Dennis. All right, let's go ahead. Let's get into live trading that's coming on next. Yes, guys, we got a special live trading. Don't go anywhere. We don't have the, the you know, we're not going to give you some interviews. We're going to give you some trading action. So please, guys, smash up the like, guys. If you guys have been enjoying the content that we've had recently on Benzinga, we had a great show today. We talked a lot about this earnings from Apple, Amazon. We touched some oil names. We touched U.S. Steel, Procter Gamble. We had a great guest on, Miss Schneider. If you guys missed that interview, I would definitely rewind and catch that before you get to your market open. As she pointed out, some great stuff in the bond market let's get you guys over to live trading now and definitely smash the like hit the subscribe button down below and if you hit that bell you'll be notified the moment that we go live appreciate you guys staying with us like always i'm going to try to do uh, i'm trying to improve every week i know that i've made some mistakes with some pronunciations and sometimes Maybe uh, I get a little dyslexic and I say uh, the Heinz Kraft instead of the Kraft Heinz. I'll tell you one thing. I'm catching my mistakes and I'm going to get better. That's all we can do. Like my man Ryan on the next show says, 2% better every day. I'm going to keep working for you guys. You guys do me the favor. Give us the appreciation if you guys enjoy what we do and hit the like below. We'll see you guys on live trading coming on next. Let's keep pushing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.